okay, yeah. So what you're saying, Ronald, Ronald, it, listen, what you're saying is we need at least thirty percent or twenty thousand before they'll even consider approving us for the loan. I mean, that seems unre. What? That seems. Hold on, Ronald. Hold on. Dude, 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 dude. What are you doing? Man, I don't, I don't fucking know. I, buying time. I, I, I guess I'm going to go with Plan B since they seem to get off watching me navigate a maze. You know what? Why don't you just go focus on your wardrobe and you give me the phone? Oh, oh, oh. all right. Here, here. Ron, I don't wear ties. That's him. That's Travis. You want to cut my throat? Go ahead. You want to cut my fucking head off and use it as a basketball? You can bowl for it for all I fucking care. I'm either going to need that loan right fucking now, or we're going to go to review of Tango and Cash. Ciao. Despite being labeled polar opposites, Ray Tango and Gabe Cash are just a couple of glory hound hot dogs cut from the same cloth. After several high-profile drug busts and a criminal amount of one-liners, the two are set up by LA's rodent-obsessed crime boss and find themselves convicted of a murder they didn't commit. Can the macho men put their differences aside, or would the egos of Tango and Cash cause the situation to be foobar? Find out in this week's review of Tango and Cash. Hello and welcome back to another exciting episode of Hollywood Chop Shop. We are your cinemechanics, Brett Mosier and Travis Santana. What I do love about us both doing our own kind of version of the intro um, is it it's fun to see what you and me latch on to with these movies. Because um, it's rarely the same thing. Like, Because, you know, the, the skit that you provide us at the beginning, the opening skit is typically derived from the movie. And I write a summary of what the movie's about, which is obviously derived of it. So it's like, to me, again, it is always interesting to see what stuck out in our minds. Um, and it gives- we, we both latched onto Jack Palance being like <laughs> obsessed with putting these mice in a maze. Dude, there's, yeah. there's so much about this movie I cannot wait to talk about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Because I'll tell you this, go. I've I'd never seen Tango and Cash before. Honestly, I didn't know much about the movie. I, for some reason in my mind, Tango and Cash was to me going to be like an '80s version of Starsky and Hutch. Like it was just going to be like two buddy cops or something like that. I was not ready for the roller coaster that I that I I mounted when uh, when this movie started. Uh, it is this movie's batshit crazy. It is bonkers and a way few movies have ever gone but god if i didn't have a smile the entire time i was watching it like it is it is anybody who reviews now, it negatively just doesn't know how to kind of take maybe it's because i've watched too many fast and furious movies but like it's easy <laughs> to just kind of take off like the you know suspension of disbelief and all that and just and just sit there and enjoy this movie because it is fucking bonkers <laughs> Yeah, I, I think like we might as well get it out of the way early, um, you know, audience. If you're listening, uh, like again, we, we've discussed it before. Me and Brett, we don't talk about the review ahead of time. On few occasions, though, we just have to have a quick, you know, let's compare notes for thirty seconds or a minute about a movie. And Tango Cat, Tango and Cash provided that. Um, normally we do the, you're listening to the Hollywood chop shop. Normally we love to cut up movies and modify them to make them maximum ridiculous. 
there's no way you can do that with this movie. It's it's already maximum ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's one of those things I was talking about somebody, and not to kind of tip our hand um, with what's going to wind up. I don't know what we're going to do for Chop Shop, but typically it goes one avenue where we either it's a movie that we can legitimately make better. Like King of Staten Island was a great example of like where you know I actually took an approach of like this is what I would have done to make this a better movie, or it is okay. Let's take and that's usually a movie that we weren't as thrilled about and then if it's a movie we really like loved that's when we typically try and cut it up and make it into something ridiculous right because it's a good movie so it's just it's more fun to just kind of like go batshit crazy this was a movie that was in some weird gray zone i never thought we would enter where the only (laughs) way to make the movie good to go down the the path of making it a better movie would literally be to scrap the whole fucking thing and start from the beginning (laughs) And it's already so batshit crazy, I can't make it crazier. Like, it's already hit the maximum level. Because, like, yes, you could, like, oh, let's throw dinosaurs or, like, something that's just completely outlandish. But, like, there's no way to, like, keeping the integrity of the movie to actually make it crazier than it actually is. Like, it is just, it is fucking bonkers. Like, from beginning, this is this is how the movie opens, all right? I'm going to... Feel free to chime in when you need to. But well, I want actually before you mm-hmm. before you even do that, can I just point out one thing that I found out through the research of this movie before you actually start describing the movie? Mm-hmm. This was the last movie released in the 1980s. I, I don't know if your research <laughs> brought you to that point, but I God, knew was, that I, does not feel appropriate. Yeah, it was. I knew it was in '89. I did not know it was the last movie of the '80s. It was literally that in another film that I've already forgotten the name of, but they, there were two movies released. I believe it was December 22nd, 1989, the last two new movies to be released, and one of them was Tango and Cash. And That's, this movie, yeah, it's 80s it's as fuck. Oh, yeah. it perfectly encapsulates the 80s. Um, because look, this is this is how the movie opens. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in a brief description of our our two protagonists, how they are introduced in the movie. Movie immediately jumps into action. We're immediately it's Sylvester Stallone, who I guess got a bug up his ass that he wasn't a one note character. He wasn't just a big macho guy. He could be a smart, sophisticated person. Which he, by the way, does not come off of in this movie at all. Them, <laughs> them portraying him as sophisticated no. as he has a he has a three piece suit, and at one point while he is in his office at the at the precinct, he he calls and talks to his stockbroker, and that is supposed to establish his <laughs> level of sophistication as a character. <laughs> so that's that's already what I love about it. Okay. And he has glasses on, Brad. Don't and, forget the glasses. Which he only wears during the day, not at night when you would think somebody would need glasses the most. But that's beside the point. So he's cruising down the highway in a convertible. All right. Which I don't know why a cop would have the convertible. I guess because he's sophisticated. And there's a helicopter. <laughs> the police helicopter is telling him to stand down. He's like, no, no, no. I've been working this case for three, three months. I've, I can't do it. So he speeds past a semi truck that is supposed to be filled with gasoline speeds down the road, creates a one-man barricade, and he stands... I still don't understand what he does. He gets out of his car. He gets out of his car. He pulls out a snub nose revolver, all right, which is not going to have very... Like, if this is a Magnum or something, I get, like, a dirty Harry, like, fucking just pulls out a mask. Or even, like, the Joker, right? From, uh, from, yes. from, from yes. Steve... Or from Tim B. 1989. Yeah. He, but it's a snub nose revolver. <laughs> He empties out 
all of the slugs in the revolver and reloads it with new bullets. It's never established <laughs> if these are stronger bullets or weaker bullets. I don't know if like the ones in there would have penetrated the windshield of the of the semi and killed the guys. If these are stronger, I don't. <laughs> he just reloads the gun for no reason. <laughs> he's he's not fired a shot. He reloads the gun. He shoots the semi truck and basically it comes to a screeching halt. And when it does. The bullets don't break the windshield, but the two guys driving the semi launch out of it. All right. <laughs> it, yeah, I watched the same movie as you, but just hearing someone describe it back to me. It's amazing. I, I'm, I'm just reliving the same laughter I had while watching the movie. So he stops the all the feds and all the local and government state and local government show up. All the officers are there. Oh, my God. This. This this city slicker, he's out of his jersey. You have no idea. We checked the truck; it's full of gas. You hit this guy. What what are you thinking in the road? You must think you're Rambo. And Sylvester Stallone, who Rambo's played who pussy. played Rambo, goes Rambo's a pussy. Because <laughs> again, he's sophisticated in this movie. <laughs> so that's what. And he's... again, this is the first four minutes of the movie. Yes. Like. So I almost admire it because it's like, hey, listen, we're going to go ahead and tell you what movie you're watching. If this is ridiculous to you, if you're not enjoying this, just turn it off. So he takes his revolver and he shoots part of the tanker. Okay, and everyone thinks it's about to explode, but no, cocaine starts pouring out of it. In a typical 80s cop fashion, what does Sylvester Stallone, what does Ray Tango go over and do? He puts his hand under the powder and tastes <laughs> the cocaine and turns around and goes, does anybody want to get high? And that is our introduction to Ray Tango, all right? And that's not so, the crazy one. <laughs> so here's... I, I want to get this out of the way because I want to make sure that I mention it. And I think early is, is probably the best time to do it. But this movie is – I don't know about you, Brad, but when I was a, a kid, I'm talking like between the ages of like 6 and 10, you always wanted to play cops and robbers with your friends. Mm -hmm. But everybody wanted to be the cool cop. And the problem with a lot of these buddy cop movies, like clearly – this movie was made in part, if not entirely, due to Lethal Weapon, right? Yes, absolutely. So with Lethal Weapon, and if you want to go back to like 48 hours too, there's always one cop that's clearly the cool one, the one that every little boy wants to be. Mm -hmm. This movie is if two little boys could not agree on, well, we can't both be the cool cop, can we? <laughs> And they decide, well, you know what? Let's both be a cool cop, but you can be a stockbroker. That's all this movie is, that's, and I love that's, it. That's well, that's that's what I love, Travis. Of all the all the like synopsis I I read of this movie, all of them define it as polar opposites. These the polar opposite cops. I'm like, they're not. They're the same fucking cop. They're they literally playing the same character. Like they're both the same. They're not different at all. <laughs> Like one's just yeah, pretending one's, one's to got be. a sister and one wears a suit and then the other one's got the, the Martin Riggs mullet yeah. and you know it's like their definition of polar opposite like, is insane. Well yeah, and that's the thing, like one again, going back to Lethal Weapon, which clearly uh Cash is in this movie. He's he's 
he owes Mel Gibson slash Martin Riggs, like he owes him royalties for playing that same character, basically. <laughs> but then instead of Roger Murtaugh, we just have the same. We have Riggs, but he dresses nicer. That's it. <laughs> it's Riggs and Biggs. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so real quick, you, you mentioned the snub nosed pistol. Normally, I would be like, well, hey, they're compensating for something or there's a dick joke in here. But this movie has 10 dick jokes in it. <laughs> there's so many dick jokes. So <laughs> so that is our introduction to Ray Tango. Now, our introduction to Cash to uh, what's uh, I can't remember Cash's first name. Gabe, Gabe Cash. Which I also want to f- see that it's lost that the stockbroker was not Gabe Cash. That. <laughs> I don't I don't understand what happened there. Like Sylvester Stallone decided he liked the name Tango better, so he's like, I'm gonna be Tango. That's so Gabe Cash. He's he walks in, he's definitely he's the lesser dressed guy, right? You know. Uh he's wearing cowboy boots, which I feel like they make a very specific point. Like when he grabs the paper off his his uh front the apartment door. You, you see that he's wearing cowboy boots because that's the kind of guy he is. You know, he's got a convertible to, uh, but well, he's kind of the, the freeloading spirit, right? He's a cowboy, you know? Well, can I stop you for just a second? Yes, he is all of that, but yet he's driving a 50s Corvette, which is worth more than the apartment that he lives in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I watch him pull into his apartment. He's got a garage, which is weird to me. He's got a Corvette that's probably worth $80,000 in 1989. And then he walks into an apartment that looks like it costs $150 a month and is infested with rat and roaches. It's just, again, this movie, there are so, you can tell there are so many hands in this movie. But what I respect is they don't try to shy away from that at all. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, go ahead. So, so Cash walks into his apartment holding groceries, all right? And all of a, he's he's checking himself out in the mirror because he's he's looking at a headline of himself in the newspaper. And all of a sudden, behind it's like a door mirror. All right, all of a sudden, <laughs> yes, an arm bursts through the mirror holding a gun, and a hitman shoots Cash in the chest like twice. All right, and Cash stumbles backwards through his apartment out the back of his like the the back onto the what is it like the the fire escape of his of his apartment leans back like touches his foot and all of a sudden like a shotgun blast <laughs> comes out of the sole of his boot and i'm just like the first thing i'm thinking i'm like did he have a gun and holster in his leg like was that his cowboy boot did his boot have a gun in it like i'm thinking like this is wild wild west style shit right now right with starring yeah. will smith I'm why like, do we he's... have why do we have q from james bond in this movie well, i guess doesn't... just to explain why he's got a boot gun right that doesn't travis it's almost an hour hour and a half into the movie before we realize that was a gun boot when <laughs> they decide that they're gonna go in and tell you no that was a gun boot so and you're thinking when it when it happens you're like i wonder if this boot gun is gonna come back is this Chekhov's boot gun and of course it is but we'll get to that later so cash comes back onto the balcony he's not bleeding or anything he then chases the perpetrator the 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 would-be hitman into a a parking garage all right at which point we have a tokyo drift style 
uh, race showdown in the parking garage. My favorite part, my favorite part of this entire parking garage um, showdown is as they're chasing each other, drifting, one is in like a 1987 like Toyota pickup truck and then Cash has stolen a uh, an immigrant's car, which Cash isn't, I don't know if he's a racist, but he also is like weird oh, against immigrants. So like, yeah. I don't, we'll get into I'm so that too. I'm glad you brought that up too. It's, it's not like blatant, like where he like makes fun of them, but at the same time, he seems to have some issue with immigrants. I don't know. But he steals his car for official police business. And at a certain point, they clip into a car and for no apparent reason, <laughs> no reason in the movie whatsoever, a woman comes up, her breast bare breast <laughs> hanging out and apparently her and another gentleman are just having sex in the back of one of the cars in the parking garage and like there's no reason for the scene whatsoever it's just there because it's the 80s and then it okay, flips so away and it never please, comes can back I, can i please i i want to stop right here because i have this in my notes as well 80s <laughs> gratuitous nudity and yet Later on in the movie, it seems to be pretty clear that we're in a strip club seeing Tango's sister, uh, played by Terry Hatcher, which, I mean, uh, you know, chef's kiss to Terry Hatcher in this movie. But, like, you could put the gratuitous nudity in the strip club scene. Which if, they if did. You need to show which some they did. Tits. Yeah, which they did. <laughs> but I'm like, you, you have, yes, it, it reminded me of in Mad Max like there's a scene where there's just gratuitous nudity like it's gonna be this terrible violent movie but hey we gotta get some titties in here because it's yeah. the 80s and right. and yet she's stripping in front of a fan playing drums I think she yes. played drums Dude, what? What she played the, the drums what were the drums <laughs> like literally at a certain point yes we don't even realize we don't know it's Tango's sister yet we think it might be his lover because you know the way that they decided oh, the they, they you, set yeah. it up yeah they definitely set it up so that there's like an they you you perceive there's going to be a, an awkward love triangle so they can reveal that there's not but there's uh yeah Tango's sister she's apparently in a strip club but she doesn't strip also can I just make this I just think this is hysterical what is it about movies that when a guy walks into a strip club and he's asking for somebody, it's always the either the current act or the act that's about to come up on stage? Like, I'm looking for Catherine. Oh, Catherine, she's on stage. Or like, it's always they always walk in as the 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 star performance and the person they're looking for is about to get on stage. But her performance I mean, again, is batshit crazy. Yeah, her performance in that scene you mean like dancing yes, yes. and playing yeah not her not, not, not her acting but yes no yeah <laughs> she's just dancing <laughs> around and basically it's it's a sparkly bikini with like white uh pantyhose on underneath Tight, it yeah and at a certain point she asks the bartender while he's talking to cash he, which again we'll get into this in a second i'm sorry i I'm, this movie is so crazy i'm having a hard time i'm just so excited talking <laughs> same. about it like no same. she gets the drum the drum handles so she can get up there and like it's not she's not a drummer like there's nothing specific about the porn she's just like randomly like banging like as you would see a child <laughs> banging on like a pretend drum set drum set on the stage you're like i don't understand what this has to do with the performance at all like did they why did they need this to be here but this is at a point now where Tango and Cash have escaped from prison. We will get into that in a minute because there's plenty to oh, unravel yes, there. But it's yes, just for a second of the fact that Cash shows up at this at this club that Tango has told him to go to if if 
things ever go sideways and he needs to find if he needs if cash needs to find tago come here and look for Catherine. none of them after escaping prison tried to change their appearance whatsoever like i'm expecting like a, a heat style val kilmer to cut his hair like oh you know kurt russell's gonna have to cut his hair do something to change his appearance and i'm thinking this as he goes in the cops show up and i'm like man like I can't believe that. Nope, this is the part of the movie where they decide, oh no, Kurt Russell should have changed his appearance. And he goes into full drag <laughs> to, es to escape the club. And I'm just like, they have not, they have been free this whole time. This why is he in drag now? And like not only that, when they put him in drag, it is a very like I don't want to go so far as to say erotic scene, but like they they basically the camera looks him up and down like it starts at his shins and like does the sexy sax music and slowly pans <laughs> up to show Kurt Russell in drag. And I'm like, this movie, what is happening? Like, it's again crazy. It's crazy. What? And I kept forgetting that they were technically fugitives on the run. I keep forgetting that they fucking broke out of prison because, again, you can just feel how many hands are in the pot here because it feels like some of the people who wrote some of these scenes, they were not aware that they were supposed to be two men on the run from the law because that very rarely comes into play post-escaping prison. Oh, and it's always one of the things – Which – Huh? I'm, so, I'm sorry. I, 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 I want to talk about the prison scene, but there's a there's an element of this movie that we've left out to this point, and I feel like we have to bring him into the fold, and that's Jack Palance. Fan, I is, fucking loved him in this movie. I loved him. A French, a French villain with no indication that he is from France with his accent at all. He's just Jack Palance, but yet he's got a... He, he's basically named Yves Saint Laurent, and he doesn't seem French at all, but god damn, whatever he got paid for this movie, it wasn't enough. He is His performance is so over the top, but perfect for this movie. Like, he is just, the way, <laughs> in his delivery of the lines, and some of his lines are just fucking amazing. What is it, when he's talking to his, I guess his lieutenants, or whoever he's in business oh, I with. I hope you're about to, yes, and, please say what I think you're going to say. Uh, you might have to drop the line, because I don't I don't remember it, and I'm going to butcher it if I can try I, Can I try it real quick? Go for it, let's see if let's we're on the see, same page here. Yeah, we were on the same page about saying we're on the same page. Um, so he's on the phone with somebody, and they say something, and he says, Don't insist. Insistent <laughs> people make me angry. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, what? And I, I couldn't do justice to the delivery. I just wanted to read it verbatim. Don't insist. Insistent people make me angry. And he just delivers that with such gusto. And I'm like, is he ad-libbing his lines? Did they just bring in a director and say, hey, Jack Palance, just do what you want. Just act crazy. Because goddamn, it's a, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, because that leads into the prison scene. Because basically when you get to hear him do his whole, like, evil, evil plan, where he's, he has some obsession with rodents, rats, or something like that. <laughs> 
because he pulls them out he sniffs them he kisses them like they're his babies and all that so at a certain point he is he's referring he has two rats who is he is referring to as tango and cash and his diabolical <laughs> plan because his lieutenant's just like we have to kill tango and cash he's no 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 you don't understand we can we can't just kill tango i here's what i'm gonna say travis i feel like the joker like heath ledger's joker that that character was based off of um <laughs> off, of, off of uh he, he, random his, french jack yes. villain. Because, yes it's, it's I, if he had delivered the line like you complete me or like i don't want to like that, that's what i'm waiting for because he has this obsession with tango just, we can't just kill tango and cash so he puts these mice in a rat maze all right and i'm like what does that mean? Like, it's like, and then the next scene is like kind of Tango and Cash. This is where they, their two cases collide because they've now been set up and like they're going through this warehouse. I'm like, okay, I, I guess I kind of get like, because I'm thinking like, at this point, I'm like, oh, he's got some dastardly plan where like he's going to set them up and list that and the other. I'm like, you don't see the dastardly plan. It's literally they just the next scene is them being framed for murder. <laughs> yes. Like you don't see any master plan whatsoever. And then like it is like I said, it's so crazy because even then, even to that point where we go into plans and all that, like at a certain point, Tango and Cash, they decide that they're going to have to plead guilty um, or they're going to take the guilty charge on <laughs> On murder, and I assume it should have also been drug peddling because the tape that supposedly is them, it's them trafficking drugs and then killing the informant. They get 18 months in prison, which I feel like it's kind of a short sentence for for what they were accused of. Um, But the whole time I'm thinking like, oh, this must mean that Tango, he has a plan, like his whole plan is to get sent to prison so that they can escape prison. No, that wasn't the plan at all. They didn't decide to get escape from prison until Cash's buddy Max or Matt, because they can't decide on a name, um, tries to help. <laughs> no, I swear to God, dude, I was watching the movie with subtitles. Every time Stallone called the character, he called him Matt and or yeah, Matt and every and every time every time Kurt Russell or Cash talked about it, it was Max. I'm like, is his name Matt or Max? I don't know. Like, is this a bit that they're doing where like Stallone's character doesn't get so he cares so little about this character? he won't even get his name right but i'm like they don't ever address the fact that he's calling him the wrong name either so i'm like i think they just didn't know what the character's name was i think they kept forgetting in the script well yeah i'm glad you brought that up because i think they kept forgetting because this is again a lot of hands in the pot but in the same prison escape scene when they uh slide down the uh power lines on their belts i don't know if you noticed but um Oh, that they had belts uh, and they shouldn't have because they were prisoners? <laughs> or the well, golden yeah, necklace? And, <laughs> and the glasses. Yeah, all that stuff would be taken away. But let's go a step further. If you watch it, I, I can't remember if it's Tango or Cash, but one of them, I think it's uh, Cash. He has a tank top on, but when you watch the stunts, he's got a full T-shirt on because oh. it's just clearly – and it keeps going back and forth. And I'm like, this movie – is unintentionally a masterpiece. Like the fact that it ended the eighties, that's poetic to me because again, we've broken our format of how we review these movies because this movie, you can't put it into any box. It is outrageous at every turn. Yeah, it is 
I legitimately say it is gold. Like I did not know what I was getting into when I watched this movie. Like, it, and even like it, it even follows like the best eighties tropes too, because like. Caitlin came in and like she was doing like housework or you know I think laundry something like that while I was watching it and like she would come in and pop in for scenes so like she came in for the part where Catherine and and Cash are, like he she's popping his discs back into place and it's like all the <laughs> the innuendo is going on and all that and like she's there when they establish uh, she was there when they established like oh no Catherine is Ray's sister and I'm like oh get ready and she goes what do you mean I'm like. I'm just going to make my prediction right now. Um, they're not going to show Catherine get kidnapped at all, but just know at a certain point, Tango and Cash are going to go to take out the bad guy at the end. And when they go to do it, he's going to pull a kidnapped Catherine off from the side. They're going to save her, and the movie will end with the three of them walking away from a building that is either exploding or has just exploded. <laughs> and damned if that's not exactly how the fucking movie ends. <laughs> Yeah, this movie is the perfect, uh, like, cheeseburger and french fries. Like, <laughs> it, it's going to provide you the comfort that you expect as long as you know what to expect. <laughs> and it it delivers. I there's, Again, I, I know we're bouncing around, but, like, the scenes with Jack Palance, he's, like, orgasmic watching – okay – Actually, let's 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 go to the prison escape. Okay. They okay. Yeah, we've we've bounced That's around fine. it. We've bounced around it. So why? It's implied that Jack Palance, I'm assuming, is a man of wealth and resource because he was able to frame two, you know, as the newspaper says, top cops. You know, with two, ease. LA's like, two best detectives, and with he ease. is able to put them in with ease. And yet he's going to show. He's just hanging out at the prison. Like, hey, I could have them killed. I won't do that. We'll frame them and send them to prison. But then I'm going to show up at the prison to watch them get murdered <laughs> by and, other prisoners? And just just to be clear, because we're saying prison, and I feel like anybody who hasn't seen the movie has their idea of what the prison is. This is not your typical prison, because apparently at some point while they're being transported to a minimum security prison— they actually get transported onto another bus and taken to what I can only assume it is a medieval castle somewhere in L.A. <laughs> and that is the prison. That is the prison that they are actually in. And this is a prison that as they've been inducted into it, they're walking through the cells and there is <laughs> literally garbage. Yes, yes. Garbage that is on fire being thrown from the cellmates. And my question is, how are they getting all of this garbage? Who provided them fire? And there is just literally fire falling down from the cells. And I'm just like, what? Not only that, but the sheer amount of flaming garbage that's being thrown on the ground, it's like... They would be wading through a landfill at this point, the amount of trash that's falling. Like, I guess this is just a special occasion. We don't normally throw the flaming trash. Uh, see, because I just... Otherwise, what, what's the janitorial... The janitorial staff at that prison just has to hate life. Like, why do we keep giving them fucking toilet papers and lighters? Yeah, I just assumed this was any average Tuesday, the way it was coming. Like, the guards didn't seem stunned by it at all. Like, nope, this is just what happens here, you know? The stories they have to go home and tell their, their families, you know? Oh, what happened? How was your your uh, your day, honey? Oh, you know, just uh, flaming trash was thrown all over the prison again today. Yeah, no big deal. 
Like, just... Yeah, can, can you rub some aloe on my knee because I was wading through toilet paper that was on fire earlier. I also love that they got a private shower and they let them have as much time as they want. They were able to try. They were figuring out the plot against them in the in the shower when they were brought into the prison. Well, real quick, I know I'm jumping all around because this movie lends itself to that, but uh, you mentioned earlier the Asian hitman that was sent to kill uh, Cash. Oh, you mean the Scarecrow? And and yet he's just free to walk around in the police station and just take a piss at the urinal like – an attempted cop killer, not just, you know, out in the street, heat of the moment, I tried to kill a cop. I hid in the cop's apartment waiting for him so that I could murder him. And yet that same gentleman is just like, yeah, I got to take a piss. Can you take these handcuffs off? And he's just in the bathroom. So that that allows Cash to get the confession out of him. I'm just like, why is he walking around? <laughs> no. This movie, I, yeah. Feel free. Try to bring us back to the plot so much that there is Well, even just the the plot itself is literally just a delivery mechanism for one-liners. Like, the entire movie is a a delivery mechanism. I don't know if they ad-libbed these or somebody literally wrote the script this way, but it is is a way to deliver as many one-liners as possible. Yeah, and it, most it, of them are actually it, terrible. Like they don't even make sense. Like that's the best part. It's like it's like you can clearly tell it was supposed to be a one-liner, but like it doesn't really like land with any wit or like oh that was pretty good. And then the 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 police chief's pun when Tanko when Tanko has to save or he thinks he's saving Cash and his sister in the uh, the apartment. Yeah, yeah. So Tango shows up. Uh, for the the innuendo scene where he assumes that Catherine and uh, Cash are banging on the couch, which they're not, but he yes. sees a shadowy figure outside the like the back porch uh, screen door, so he charges through, grabs a I can only assume a decorative gourd off of a nightstand, <laughs> and charges the perpetrator knocking through the screen door, and it winds up being the police chief who's still on Tango and Cash's side. And the captain, the captain's response to it is, is this how you screen all of your guests? <laughs> That's the yes. level of wordplay and one liners you can you can expect from this movie. Like it is just the worst, worst level. And it is nothing but one liners. OK, so I'm glad you brought him up. The police chief. I have two questions. Um, number one. Was it a creative decision to have him wearing that toupee? (laughs) Like, I couldn't tell if that that was a commentary on the character and how he thought, like, yeah, I'll put this toupee on. People will definitely believe that I have real hair. Or is that just – that happens to be in this movie? Because I feel like so many decisions are, do you think it was intentional and it's funny? Or is it unintentional and it's funny? Like – I would say it's probably something that was set up for a payoff we never got. Like a lot of other things in this movie. Like when we got the, and I'll let you describe the super van. All right, the RV from hell. (laughs) I'm going to give you that one. But at a certain point, they say this can go through a brick wall, and it never goes through a brick wall. And I'm like, that was a perfect setup for you to drive this through a brick wall. 
And there's a ton in of fact, that in the I movie. I believe it goes – I believe it actually later on in the movie jumps a wall. So not only does it not go through it, it goes over it, which is completely contradictory <laughs> to how the, the, the vehicle was set it's, up, it's, which again, like you said, that's a microcosm for this whole fucking movie. Well, I actually think it's even better than that, Travis, because it doesn't actually go over it or really through it. Instead, it gets some kind of phantom jump and just goes through the top of a <laughs> gate. So it's like they didn't just burst through the bottom like they could have, and they didn't jump it. Instead, it's like they just went through like the middle top of it. And I'm like, it's like, where did the yeah, ramp come from? S- exactly. Thank you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> They're driving on perfectly flat ground, but then we cut to what is clearly some evil Knievel level ramp that sent it over. I, <laughs> again, I, it's going to be the theme for the movie on my part. It's just you can tell that there were 31 different people trying to make this movie creatively, and they just kind of put it all together. So I was going to hold this off for I was I did a little little trivia section for this. Um, how much research did you do for this movie? Uh, little to none. Okay. I looked at the Wikipedia so, and saw about the directors. Okay, uh, that's what I was going to say. It's like, so it. you, you've brought it up a couple times. This movie had four different directors. And not like it had a director and co-directors. I mean, this movie literally had four different directors at different times. Like, someone got fired, someone else got brought in, someone got fired, somebody else got brought in. So, like, it, it kind of shows. And then <laughs> beyond... Kind of, yeah, kind of. So, apparently, the original cut of this movie... Uh, Warner Brothers was so upset by it and thought it was so bad that they had to bring in Stuart Baird, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, who I guess kind of became a prolific, like, when you needed something re-edited or you needed a movie to get saved, you brought in Stuart Baird. And he was the guy who was going to take your dog shit, or your dog shit, like, uh, scene yeah, for your scene. incomplete homework. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Basically. And he he was going to make it into a a profitable movie. Um. So yeah, they they had to bring in basically the the Hollywood version of the fixer to come in and take care of this movie and make it watchable. Which is, I would love to see the original cut of this movie if I'm honest, knowing that this is this is what they settled on, and they're like, okay, I think we can sell this. <laughs> Yeah, I just have to assume that at a certain point they were like, you know what, we've spent so much fucking money on rewrites and bringing in new directors. Like, whatever we have, let's edit together and release it. And that's why – because, I mean, nothing about this movie screams let's have a Christmas release. (laughs) Uh, You know, other than – yeah, it was supposed to come out seven months prior, but uh, it's been in development hell And uh, yeah, let's it's the last movie of the 80s. Yeah. And apparently it had a bunch of like on the fly rewrites like they liked a character. They didn't think this was working. Someone didn't like a particular actor. Like there was a bunch of rewrites in this movie, (laughs) like on the fly rewrites. Um, Yeah. And I think the uh, you know, before you move on or before we move on, it's also important to point out that Sylvester Stallone is not only an actor, he's a director. So I almost wonder, was he shadow directing this as well? Um, Because, you know, he directed, I think, the first Rocky, uh, a couple of the Rockies in in the franchise. So I almost, the director was 
Sylvester Stallone is is basically what I'm trying to say. <laughs> That's why you can have technically four different directors because nobody other than Sylvester Stallone wants to see Sylvester Stallone play a stockbroker cop. <laughs> you know like that's clearly his idea um so, so there is a line in the movie and uh it comes from the the rv from hell do you want to describe the rv from hell real quick i mean i um take a 1989 gmc family van and then uh have the person who did the car design on on Fast and Furious, the first one, attach some spoilers and some random accoutrement and then put a machine gun on the side of it. So it's half family minivan, half tank. Yeah. And yeah, it's it, it does not look cool. Like that's that's the biggest takeaway. It's like this should be if you're gonna have something this fucking stupid, make sure that it looks cool. But it just looks like your mom's minivan, and we put a machine gun on the side of it. So this is a part in the movie, yes, he's, as he's described the RV from hell. This is a part where we have now, after Tango and Cash escape prison, Cash, the first place he goes to, is apparently this guy named Owen who creates wacky weapons. He's the guy who we find out did actually make him bazooka boots, as, as Stallone calls them, <laughs> as Tango calls them, his bazooka boots. Um... No, he's never brought up anywhere else in the movie. He's just kind of random. Like, when Cash walks in, I'm like, where the fuck is Cash right now? Like, I don't even understand what this place is or why he's here. But Owen is apparently, like, yeah, as, as Travis defined it earlier, like, Q. Like, a James Bond's Q. Like, this weapon master that, again, I have no idea why he's in the movie. But there's a comment that Tango makes after they receive the RV from hell that I still don't... I need, I need you to help me clarify, Travis, all right? So okay. they get in the, the, the RV from hell. It's a prototype. They said they're not going to scratch it, blah, blah, blah. As they're getting ready to drive off, Sylvester Stallone, Tango, Ray Tango, looks up. This is after we've already established that Cash wants to fuck his sister, right? <laughs> Tango yes. looks over at Cash and says, is Owen in the family? And Cash goes, Maybe. What was Tango implying in that? Because to me, I'm like, is he implying he's going to fuck your cousin or your brother or whoever this is? Or like, is it because Owen's probably somewhere on a spectrum and a little bit special? Like, and he's trying to imply that Cash is also crazy and like he sees it's a family thing. What exactly did that comment mean? I there are so many dangling threads in this movie where, you know, again, you know, when you have four different directors and really the director is Sylvester Stallone, uh, there's a lot of threads left dangling. That, I assumed what you assumed in it as basically saying like, hey, this guy's a little special. I think you're a little special. But again, I, I feel like there's so many false starts in. You could tell that there were probably eight different scripts that eventually were were frankenstein i think that's just a, a product of that is my assumption yeah it was just it was a very bizarre <laughs> to me i'm just like what the fuck did that even mean ah uh, and even again just yeah. this is a movie about two cops who have been accused of murder and they have a weapons master in it again just to show how bonkers crazy this movie is 
Yeah, I, I think that when he was first introduced, the, the weapons master, I assumed that he worked for the police. I mean, that is is dumb and outlandish on its own. That Yeah, this is not James Bond, but they have a, a guy who makes secret weapons. But then I'm like, they broke out of prison. They're fugitives. So I assume this guy actually is not on the police payroll, which oh, means yeah, I don't think so. I think he's a he's a he's a freelancer, you know, I, which I mean, try to explain that to me like how, how does he make his money like cash Home security is dude not, <laughs> like that means that man was like you know what let me go to the car dealership and buy this fucking uh ford windstar uh i'll go ahead and put the 20 grand on that and then i'll strap like it's just i i respect this movie because at the end of the day I almost respect that they don't give a shit. They, they, they're not going to try to make things make sense. Fuck it. It's a fucking minivan with a machine gun strapped to it. And that's all you need to know. Like, I, I know a lot of times, especially like our chop shops, we talk about trying to make movies make sense or put this extra little effort here and there. This movie's like, nope, fuck that. Uh, <laughs> it was supposed to get released eight months ago. Uh, we're gonna fucking release what we have, and they released what they had, and I, I don't want to tip my hand, but it's 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 watchable. That's what I can say. It is extremely watchable. Oh, I yeah, I think if if you're into these, this to me is like a precursor to like Fast and Furious, where they just constantly try and one up themselves. It's still crazier than Fast and Furious, which is insane, knowing that the last movie they went to space in a rocket fueled um, <laughs> Fiero. Um, but again, this movie somehow is still crazier. I also like watching a lot of like the scenes, like when they've got electricity and they have to like zip line down and all that. I'm like, the whole escape from the prison scene just made me think like. This movie had to have had such a massive influence on modern video games. Like, I just feel like level design is based off of Tango and Cash. Yeah, down to the, you know, even before they escape, having, like, in the bowels of the prison, let's go ahead and have a prison fight. Yeah, like, everything, I didn't even think about it at the time, but, like, I don't know why I found this movie so comforting, but when you say it that way, that's the exact reason why is because we've been playing Tango and Cash <laughs> since the late 90s. Yeah, it is just it is absolutely one of the craziest movies I think I have I have ever seen. It just just on it, paper, just batshit crazy. And, and I think we can narrow our focus and try to get into specifics if you want. But, like, just even looking at my notes on the movie, there were times where I would just write something down because it seemed so ridiculous. I don't, I don't remember why in the context of this movie. Maybe you can tell me. But I have written down dykes on bikes. Why do I have that? I don't know. That means at some point in this movie, dykes on bikes were discussed. I mean, I guess was oh, that it, was it, it a poster or something when drag. they walked into the club? Oh, when no! He's in when drag. he was in drag, the cop is trying to hit on Kurt Russell. It, it calls out that he's some sort of yoga instructor or something. But then, the, like, they get on the bike. Kurt Russell gets on the bike with Terry Hatcher, and the cop makes a comment about dykes on bikes. And I'm like, this movie is just. 
like the fact that I could forget momentarily why Dykes on Bikes came up tells you all you need to know about this movie. It, it's just wall to wall ridiculous. Yeah, and even like again to bring up what we uh, I, earlier and I talked about like is Cash a racist? Like I don't know if he, like he never uses any racial slurs or anything like that in the movie. But at a certain point, like when they're in the the bowels of the prison, and somehow the entire prison has been let loose into the basement to beat the shit out of them and kill them. Um, <laughs> The he goes on a huge rant about, and he's again trying to save time. Um, but he goes on a huge rant about how he doesn't want the English guy to kill him. Anybody else can kill him. They just need to be an American. And I'm like, I don't even know what that where he's going with this. And then that's when Tay goes, "What are you doing?" He goes, oh, "I'm just trying to buy time." And I'm like, he goes on a huge like tirade about how he doesn't want the Cockney English guy to to be the one to kill him. He need- yeah, I, I, I want to get killed by an American for reasons that don't have anything to do with the character after or before that scene. Yeah, no, nothing. It's just <laughs> then when they finally do uh, beat the Cockney guy at the the English guy at the end, it's a self-destruct timer has been set in in the the, the layer of the bag, which is in a quarry where all corporate uh, drug lord peddlers <laughs> put their their headquarters. Um, he puts an eleven minute timer, which I'm not sure if you noticed, and I'm pretty sure I saw this. He makes Catherine hit the self destruct button, like he grabs her hand and has her finger push the button. Really weird detail. I don't know why that happened in the movie, <laughs> but it's one of those things where I looked at it. And it's another one of those. I'm like, this again. It just adds to how fucking crazy the movie is. And I don't know if that's supposed to be like that was a woman's hand. It couldn't be Catherine. But I'm like, they never allude to Catherine being captured or anything before that. But they decide that they're going to fight Tango and Cash. The self destruct has been set at the place. At this point, there can only maybe be five minutes left on it, and the guy wants to have like a, a, a fisticuff with them to beat them. I'm like, are you not worried about being blown up? I'm like, at a certain point, just put a bullet in their head and be done with this. Like, this is crazy. Yeah, I just <laughs> again. The first three-fourths of the movie, I'm like, wait, why do people shit on this movie? Like, why is this such a joke to people? Because it, it it's fun in a stupid way. But then by the time you get to a rock quarry that has a self-destruct feature, I'm just like, god damn, With this <laughs> movie is. Like, the, the amount of cocaine being done by the people who wrote this movie, I, I don't even know. Well, and to, to, to bring it back full circle, um, with the entire cast of Mad Max in the quarry, because apparently that's, what, <laughs> yeah, again, dude, a corporate overlord. He, <laughs> a monster truck, dude. He had monster trucks <laughs> on his payroll. Like, <laughs> it makes no sense what they're fighting in the quarry with the RV from hell. <laughs> like, it's just like, where did this come from? And ultimately, I'm just wondering, Jack Palance, I mean, I love you in this movie. You're French for reasons, but uh, just kill Tango and Cash. Just like you can't can't just kill Tango and Cash. But but my question is, why? And it's funny, too. We were think we were talking about 1989 Batman. I forgot that in this very same year, Jack Palance is the villain that sets up Jack Nicholson's Joker. So, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, Jack Pounce was just like, hey, I, I already did this thing for Tim Burton. Uh, I can just kind of do it again, but even more ridiculous. <laughs> like, it works in a Batman movie, but I'll go ahead and just insert it into what should be a buddy cop movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is the, as you are, you're saying that it's the end of the 80s. It is the perfect movie to end the 80s because I feel like it has everything an 80s movie had in it it just crammed into what it doesn't make any sense it is barely it is pieced together by newspaper clippings like that is how they kind of <laughs> progress the story yes. along is through newspaper headlines all yeah all of the key pop, plot points are delivered to us via uh yeah uh newspaper print and it is again it is just it's so crazy it's so crazy which, of course, uh, it makes sense. I'm sure that the, the newspaper stuff was probably the last thing put in on the edit. Like, hey, we've got a movie that doesn't make any sense. What's the easiest, laziest way to try to tie these scenes together? Uh, let's just have newspaper headlines. As if as if Tango and Cash are, like, the, the city's best baseball well, players. Like, and- you know, Cash goes three for four with two home runs. Top cop. <laughs> So I'm glad I'm glad we this is we're going to we're going to finish up and then we'll go into some of our regular our regular. um, Okay. uh, What is it? Segments here. But the final newspaper clip, how the movie ends, like I said, that it ends with the three of them in an exploding building. That is the movie ends. They high five. And then that high five (laughs) is transposed into a newspaper clipping of them being reinstated. And that the end of the movie is actually just a still from a newspaper. But. On the far right column in bold, bold words, do you know what it says? And I this no. could not. This has to be intentional. It is the words, ask not what the critics say. And I'm like, oh, that's meta as fuck. Like, they know that they have a steaming pile of dog shit here. And they're like, <laughs> they know critics are not going to enjoy this movie. And they're just like, listen, tell your friends this is a great movie. Don't listen to the critics because I even after that, I was like, I have to research this. I have to see like, was this like a whoever the writer, the director was like, was this a shot at like maybe their previous movie was like really uh, was like, um, what is it rated low? Like critics. Yeah. Critics like just shit all over it. So like this was them saying like this is their their swan song or them coming like their their uh, their revenge movie. But then I really that's when I found out there were four directors. So like clearly it wasn't that. (laughs) So it's like this is just. It had to have been the editor just being like, please don't listen to the critics. Like, just watch the movie and you'll you'll have a good time. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up because last thing before we go into the segments, uh, the, the credited director I did in the little bit of research that I did do, I looked at him. Uh, don't hold me to this, but I'm 99% sure this was the last American film that he did. Uh, like, cause all of his other credits are, I can't remember where he's from in Europe, but, uh, basically his native country. And he did a lot of documentaries in his native language after this. And I just love that, like, in my imagination, you have this, let's just say that he's from Russia. He grows up idolizing Hollywood. He wants to make big Hollywood productions. He finally gets his break. He's working with Sylvester Stallone, Kurt Russell. And he's like, you know what? This was so goddamn miserable. I'm never, I'm not even going to make an American movie again. I'm never even going to come back to America just based upon how much of a bad experience making this movie must have been for him. Uh, 
Yeah. So yeah, he, he'll close out the '80s by saying, "I'm never gonna make it another American film," but uh, indirectly or accidentally, he made something of a '80s classic as the last movie to be released in the '80s. Yeah, it is just it is something else. So uh, segment wise, um, I think normally we would do chop shop here, but I I don't know about you. I think we previously discussed it. I can't come up with a chop shop that is more of a chop shop than what this movie already is. Like I, I think as presented, you could say if, if this movie didn't have the van, maybe we would write in the van. Like let's give Tango and Cash a Batmobile to close the movie with. But the movie's like, nope, whoop, we've got that covered. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Like it is, it is a movie that it got chopped before we could, <laughs> before we could get to it. So, um, yeah, it just, just nuts. So, with that, we'll go into market value. Um, so you know, fun little, fun little segment here. So, uh, Travis, do you want to guess what the budget of this movie was? And I'm gonna give you a little hint. It did go two or twenty million over budget. Oh God! Oh man! Um, nineteen eighty nine. Uh, I'm gonna say sixty four million. So the budget for the movie was fifty five million dollars. Okay. Which means it, uh, the the original the intended budget would have been about thirty five million, but it went twenty mil. <laughs> it went twenty mil over. Went twenty mil over. Do you want to guess? It's the. I am assuming this was not released worldwide because the worldwide in U.S. Uh, gross is the same number. Do you want to guess what it made? It cost fifty five uh, million. What do you think it made? I'm going to say 27 million. 63 million. Okay. It okay. made its money back. So this was this was not a a box office flop. You know, this was despite it being crazy a and trouble, 20, 20 unquote, yeah, a troubled yeah. production, it actually did make its money back. And I'm sure it has a cult following at this point. Um I mean, I think it got two more added to that club after watching this movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> I'm going to give you a tagline. Um, oh, man, I can't wait for this. Here we go. Here's your. So, uh, you know, get the get this thing nice and registered. What we're going to do here, I'm going to give Travis three taglines. One is the original tagline to the movie. One is a tagline from a movie adjacent to the movie that I felt, you know, was was similar in vain. Um, and then one is a tagline that I made up myself. And Travis has to guess what what is the original tagline of Tango and Cash. Here we go. They're the man. It takes two. Or... Two of LA's top rifle cops are going to have to work together, even if it kills them. <laughs> um, can you give me the second one again? It takes two. Okay, I, I think you made that one up because it is clever, especially with the whole tango. 
but I don't think that it, especially in 1989, I don't think they would have been smart enough to use that tagline. So I think that's the one you made up. Okay, final answer? Yes, for that one, yes. Okay, yep, that is the one that I made up. That's my tagline. Hey, shocker, it's better than what they actually <laughs> did. Um, okay, give me the first one again. The first one is, they're the man. I'm going to say that's for, uh, and I'm being honest, audience, again, we don't plan this. I'm going to say that's the Sandra Bullock, Melissa McCarthy movie, The Heat. Final answer? All right. So you're saying that the really long one is the is the tagline? Yes. Okay. So you're right in that. I'll repeat it in a second. No, the They're the Man is the two, the tagline to the 2004 Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson hit, Starsky and Hutch. Ah, <laughs> yeah, you even tipped your hand to that. Okay. I originally was yeah. going to do Bad Boys, but, but Bad Boys tagline was, what you going to do? And I'm like, oh, well, fuck, that's, <laughs> that's pretty blatantly the Bad <laughs> <Yeah>. Boys. <laughs> Which I'm glad you mentioned that because it, it's amazing how Sylvester Stallone's character in this movie is just the prelude to Mike Lowry and Bad Boys. <laughs> like the, hey, you're rich, why are you a cop? Oh, yeah. I'm a cop for the action. The action. Like, it's just... Yeah, just a straight I, – I was like, man, Bad Boys like owes a debt. Michael Bay owes a debt to Tango and Cash. Yep. Um, so, yes, the, the, the tagline for Tango and Cash is one of the longest taglines I've ever seen. <laughs> Two of LA's top rival cops are going to have to work together even if it kills them. And if I'm honest, I don't even know if that tagline makes sense with the actual plot and what happens in the movie. But I guess they had to ground it somewhere in reality. Yeah, they, they keep trying to make it out like there's a rivalry. I'm like, yeah. I, it's it seems like it's just two guys that happen to be cops that work in the same city, but sure. It's a rivalry. Well, even because like you said, they're, they're supposed to be opposites, but they're just the same dude who they, they just dress differently. That's yeah. it. Cause they even establish in the movie, like I think it's cash is basically doing everything on the East side is, is are taking care of everything on the East side. And then, Tango is taking care of all of the crime on the west side. So again, they're not they're not rival cops. They have their own territories. Like they're and they just so yeah, happen to like converge on the same case. And I'm glad you mentioned the east west thing. Like again, oh, like, you mean the because the, the, the eastern 80s. territory? Let's go ahead and have the Asian guy be yes. the, the crime boss of the east. Yeah, because why not? Oh, and and the. The crime boss of the West of West LA is Hispanic. Is Lopez? It's just like Jesus <laughs> yes. Christ! I'm like it's so on the nose. It's ridiculous. And I'm thinking, like in '89, the Berlin Wall came down. Are you trying to do some sort of like East Germany, West Germany thing? Like there are so many half baked, and half baked is probably generous. Uh, quarter baked ideas thrown into this. Like, again, because there are so many hands involved, it, it's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's... Yeah. Oh, that was another classic line in the movie was uh, when Tango was upset with his sister for potentially getting involved with Cash. He This is after Cash had to escape um, the club and drag. He refers to him as queen for a day. I had to write that one down because like, Jesus Christ. 
<laughs> yeah, queen for a day. Yeah, and you know, I guess before we close, I guess the only segment we have left is just how we recommend this, right? Yeah. I guess my, my last my last question, because literally we could probably record another two hours where we just ask questions about this movie to see if you understood or I understood something, but. After they break out of prison, and like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, Tango is basically like, hey, if anything ever happens, uh, go to the strip club and meet my sister. Like, he doesn't say that directly, but that's that's the vibe. I'm just like, why don't you just give him your phone number? Well, like, no, it, it was just weird to me. Like, hey, we're together right now, there's, but if we ever get separated, do this weird thing that doesn't make any sense. And to that point, Travis, a they literally were going to do the same thing. Why did they separate to begin with? Because yes. they went to they, they had the same mission in mind. And then secondly, he tells he tells him to go to the club and find Catherine. He gets to the club and Catherine. He's like. She goes by Nikki at the club. She goes, only one person calls me Catherine. And I'm like, that's your biological name. I'm pretty sure more than one person calls you that. And secondly, <laughs> then how the fuck would Cash know to find you if no one knows your name is Catherine? Like, why does Ray not know you don't go by Catherine except with him? Like, you're supposed to be close. Like, what the fuck? I go, my stage name is Nikki. You wouldn't think you need to tell him to ask for Nikki? <laughs> It's just, and and that's probably not even in the top twenty of things that don't make sense in this no. movie. <laughs> that's pretty low. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, let's 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 get to how we recommend this because I think, it, or if we do recommend this, because I think that will allow us to give some parting thoughts. So, you want to lead it off? Uh, yeah, I absolutely recommend this. I had a blast watch. Like, you have to know what you're going into, I think, a little bit. Or even if you don't, I think you have to know, like, you have to be prepared. Like, it is a, it is, as you said, it is the end of the 80s, which was a different decade in cinema. You're going to get the gratuitous, like, uh, uh, what is it? Um, nudity, where it's like, there's no reason for there to be topless women other than the fact that a director, because he had the power to do that put put that in the movie um there's no i'm not gonna say like aggressively like racist undertones or anything like that there's definitely like calling him queen for a day and dykes on bikes like i don't you'd probably find that in a movie but you wouldn't find the protagonist saying those things which is weird <laughs> like you just have to understand you have to go into it knowing that this is a movie from a different time but it is it is insanely entertaining to watch and it is it is a movie that makes no fucking sense. It is a movie that, like, you have to just get, like... I I legitimately think it is, like, the precursor to a fa the, what the Fast and Furious has become. Like, it is just off-the-walls bonkers. Like, you just have to turn your brain off and kind of enjoy what the fuck is happening. Or don't, and then just do what we do, which is tear it apart and talk about it. Because it is a fun fucking ride. It is... I would I would easily watch this movie again. Like... I don't know if it's if I saw it in a bargain bin, I might buy it on Blu-ray, but I would definitely like there might be a time where I'm like, I just need some some feel good popcorn dumb movie. And I'm going to throw on some Tango and Cash. Yeah, I, I think we're in lockstep here. I was just going through my notes just to see if there was anything I didn't bring up uh, prior and just uh, you kind of touched on it, how politically incorrect this movie can be at times because it's it's a 
it's a perfect time capsule of the end of the 80s. Like, I'm just looking at this line uh, when they're going into prison, and like you said before, you know, it's raining uh, trash that's on fire for whatever reason. But you have one of the black prisoners literally yell out, I'm going to put brown sugar in your ass. Like, the movie is just fun. Like, I... I think I never really put it together. You nailed it as a precursor to the Fast and Furious because it's like on its on its own. You you question why the Fast and the Furious has produced you know nine movies and counting and has made countless billions of dollars. But it's it's the vibe that this movie gives you. It's fun if you can just turn your brain off. It, it's going to be an enjoyable hour and a half or two hours. Um, it, it makes me miss this this kind of filmmaking because it, it doesn't take itself seriously. It's clearly a, a committee. It's a movie by committee, um, but it it knows what movie it is. It, it's winking at you the whole time, and uh, yeah, I would absolutely own this physically. If you tell me that there's a, a commentary, yeah, I'm paying thirty dollars for this on Blu-ray. Oh, yeah, no I want I want to know more about this movie. Like, it seems like there's so many fun hidden gym facts about about this thing, but I it is the perfect party movie to me. And I don't mean party like if you're having a party to put a movie on in the background because you're an idiot if you do that. I mean like you like a movie party where like everybody come over, we're gonna watch this movie and roast it. Like it is a movie, it is just as fun watching it by yourself as I think it would be watching it with people and just like making live commentary watching it. Like it is just it is a fun ride. Yeah, it's the ultimate mystery science theater three thousand kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, I I read the Wikipedia, and I'm assuming this is just normal Wikipedia speculation bullshit. But whenever when I loaded the Tango and Cash Wikipedia page, and there was a section called possible sequel, I was like, please, <laughs> Kurt Russell, Sylvester Stallone, whatever you have to do, do this movie again, dude. And, when and I was I hope that it happens when i was trying to come up with a chop shop for this all i was thinking is like maybe i could kurt this could be actually you know mr nobody in the fast and furious franchise is actually gabe cash and like Uh. this was a this is like a prequel or like when we talk about like this is the precursor to the fast and furious that this actually literally is a precursor to the fast and the furious (laughs) Uh, i mean (laughs) Just your energy right there, that spirit, that's exactly what this movie is because I – if Sylvester Stallone is listening to this, you, you've just given him the idea. <laughs> he, he's going to go to Justin Lane and be like, Justin, listen, I was all about family before this <laughs> franchise even started. Yeah, like I – Somebody's going to owe you a, a fair bit of money, Brett, when ultimately that's what Fast 10, Fast 10, your seatbelts, is a uh, backdoor sequel to Tango and Cash. Somebody's going to oh, owe you a lot of money. Somebody's going to owe you a lot of cash, Tango. Oh, God. It's going to be. I I would love it so much. I would love it so much. So. Uh, but, yeah, anything else before we go, sir? No. I mean, it is. Yeah you summed it up or i just movies aren't made like this anymore like it is just i wish 
I wish there were more movies like this where it is just like, and I don't even know if this movie was trying to be serious and it just winds up not being serious or like if it was tongue in cheek, it knew what it was the whole time. But like, I wish there was more movies like this made in 2020, 2021. Because yes, we've said we've got the Fast and the Furious franchise, but I feel like that's about it, you know? Um, and even that is, it's starting to kind of like, like, like a, a, the, the snake eating its tail. Like it's, it's starting to consume itself. And I'm like, I need to know that there's going to be another franchise out there or not even a franchise. I'm fine with one-off movies where I get to, I get to watch a tango and cash in the future. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think like, you know, Netflix, for example, when they struggle to make original movies, try this, try this kind of shit, mm-hmm. you know, lean all the way into it. So, yeah, I mean, again, I, I think we've encapsulated it perfectly. It's the last movie of the eighties. And if that's not poetic, I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I guess the last thing I would, I would tell people and, and I don't want to do it particularly to you, Brett, but I have to say it. I insist that uh, you watch Tango and Cash. Yeah, I did, that to me it is a. Some people put The Godfather on their must see movies. I'm gonna put Tango and Cash on there. I think it is, it is a movie you ac- absolutely have to. I think, I think you can easily see the cultural significance and kind of again what this movie did and how, like like I said before, it felt like. I feel like video games were based off of stuff that happened in Tango and Cash. Like, I feel like there is so much that happened in this movie that people don't even understand basically got like its roots into pop culture and what we consume today. There is there is definitely a little seed of Tango and Cash that we don't even know, didn't even know was there, you know, that, that snuck in. No, absolutely. And I mean, that that's a very good point. Like, like we've said, like Grand Theft Auto probably owes a ton to this this movie. Uh, but really, though, the only reason I brought that up, Brad, and, and maybe this is where we can sign off. I, I was insisting that you watch it. Some people don't like insistent people. <laughs> insistent people make me angry. <laughs> Tango and cash. Bye. Brett, are you are you making love to a, a rat right now? <laughs> Is that a rat in your pocket? <laughs>